If you're listening to this episode, I bet you're wondering what behaviors you're doing that keep you from getting your needs met and ending up in situationship after situationship. I got you. I've created a situationship quiz and I'm so excited about it. Take the quiz to discover more behaviors and more tips for navigating situationships because I know you're in more than one right now. No judgment, boo-boo. I used to have five situationships at a time. Yes. So you're not alone. You can find the quiz at www.dontea.co forward slash quiz. That's D-O-N-T-E-A dot C-O forward slash quiz. I'll drop it in the show notes as well. Okay, back to the episode. In our fast-paced world, many of us struggle with overthinking and worry that leaves us feeling overwhelmed or stuck. In this podcast, we will hear stories of successful individuals and have conversations and ways to reach our true potential by embracing every micro detail of our identity, especially the flaws that make us unique. This is your host, Maria Grace Wolk. I'm a Filipino-American entrepreneur, psychotherapist, and mom of two boys. And my mission is to amplify diverse perspectives and experiences and inspire your journey to wellness and fulfillment. I'm so excited to introduce to you all. Dante Mitchell Hunter is a self-worth coach, therapist, and speaker that helps women get out of unfulfilling relationships and recreate self-love and happiness, single or partnered. She wants women to know their worth doesn't come from being in a relationship nor what others think of them. Dantea is also the CEO of Soiree and Therapy, an online private practice. She also launched Worth Everything, an online group coaching program for women to see themselves as the prize. Dantea, welcome and thank you for being here to share with us all your knowledge and all things relationship. Your expertise is very much needed, especially these past, what, two, three years where relationships have been really challenging. Finding relationships is challenging and keeping relationships challenging. The pandemic, the lockdown didn't help us at all. And those who are looking to find or people who are in a relationship has had struggles with their partners. But before we dive in, can you please share with us your story? What led you to where you are today. Oh my goodness. Yes. How much time do we have? All the time you want. Thank you for that intro. I love hearing it back because I'm like, I wrote that and it still feels, ooh, yeah, coming to the stage. That's me. (laughs) It feels really cool. So yeah, my story, how did I get here? Basically, I grew up in a household where I was very hypersensitive to everyone's emotional. How would you say? emotional space. And so especially my mother's. And so for my mom, she didn't really express her emotions. There would be a lot of mixed messages. Right. And so for me, I had to get really good at understanding the message underneath, which led me to a lot of confusion. And I never knew if I was doing something right or not. So fast forward, I get into relationships, friendships, romantic, you name it, whatever, bosses, where it's like this very toxic cycles of me overperforming Mm because I feel like I have to do all these things to keep you interested, to know that I'm a good worker, to know that I'm a good partner, to know that I'm a good friend. 
And I just continue, just kept chipping away at my self-worth. And I would be this like chameleon where I would show up one way with you, a different way with you and never knowing Mm -hmm. if I could be accepted as just who I am. And it just led to a lot of pain, a lot Mm -hmm. of unhealthy relationships, a lot of places where I'm literally trying to figure out why won't you accept me as your girlfriend? Why won't I come home and meet your parents? Why does no one know about me? How come we're not together yet? All those things. And then one day, thank goodness, I finally had enough of that. I think one of the biggest breaking points for me, I was dating this guy and we were long distance like most of my relationships were, which ties into another story. But with this situation, we were supposed to see each other for Valentine's and our arrangement was he would buy my plane ticket and I would show up. We would see each other in San Francisco and that was it. So one day or when this was coming up, I went to go check in for my flight and it said this trip cannot be found, which meant he canceled and didn't say anything. What? Yes. Shame. And he was bananas. And so at that point, I just felt like I depend way too much on men for my happiness, my experiences, my worth, my desires, my needs, all those kind of things. And it was really ugly. I remember crying a lot. And ever since that moment, I've started to do a lot of work on how to find happiness within myself that doesn't come from a partner and being okay with being single because I was the kind of person that was always in a relationship and not in a relationship, but always in a situationship, always dating or messing around with someone. And then, yeah, here we are. Did a lot of work around that. Went to therapy, worked with coaches, worked with other kind of forms of coaching. I set boundaries with my family, with friends, and like really Mm -hmm. just promising to myself, how can I show up authentically me every day and get my needs and wants met? Because that is possible. That was your life and a nice summary that you gave us. (laughs) But would you mind sharing with us? I know you said you've worked in therapy and coaches. What was the one thing that you learned about yourself from therapy, from the coaches that really helped you? That's it. One of the biggest things that stuck out for me was learning that I saw myself through the eyes of others, especially my mother. And then that went down to my older sisters. And it literally felt like I was making life choices based on what they would expect me to do, if that makes sense. So that's where it started to unfold. And that's where the boundaries and the tears and the conversations and all that kind of stuff started to really surface a lot more because I had to be honest with myself about that. So the expectations from your mom, from Mm -hmm. your sisters, how many sisters do you have? A lot. I have pretty much five altogether. Really? So there's six of you guys and now I'm I I could totally relate Mm -hmm. that the need to belong. We got it all mixed up. We thought maybe the need to belong is to assimilate. But really, when you assimilate, you disappear with the crowd, right? And now when we look back, now that we're grown and mature, why do we want to blend in? I know. know. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to be loved and accepted when I used to think in that way. Yeah, yeah. Childhood sucks. I'm just kidding. It does. Many moments where it does. And then it's times like this where I'm, oh, wait. So you want $3,000 a month for all of my living expenses and groceries and car and gas and 
I want to go back to childhood right now to pay for shit. (laughs) (laughs) I thought money was just something that's just always there. So we were going back to the therapy. What was the therapy? What led you to becoming a therapist? Okay, so I worked on this. I know my self-worth. I know how I was able to just embody it. My Sorry. mom, she wanted to make sure that <laughs> I was a child that went to college. I got straight A's. So she asked me very early on, what do you want to be when you grow up? Reignite the power that you have. How do you like to help women find their worth? What is it that you... Mm. So for me, I really lean into... I'm feeling like emotional now. Not emotional. I'm feeling open. For me, I channel my intuition as much as I can. So that's like the basis for me. I think I've experienced so much in my life that I can relate to almost any and every story. And even though I was really young when all these things happen. And so for me, I channel my intuition. I really want women to know we can leave perfectionism to the side. We can leave. I'm not enough or I'm too much. Those are the main thing. And so I like to walk women through their belief system, mm-hmm. they, what they believe love is, what they believe a relationship is, what do they believe a friendship is. And from there, going through what's important to them. Mm-hmm. And are we getting what's important to us? Are we getting that met in our relationships? And again, romantic, friendships, family, work, all of it. Because if we do something in one place, we'll do it everywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so- stick on. Get your chapstick. <laughs> get your chapstick on. Let me get my coffee. Okay. <laughs> Tell me more about situationships. Is that the new state of dating? What is okay. it? Okay. So that's an interesting question. Situationships have always been around. They're nothing new. It's just a different name. A few years ago, people would say it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Before that, people would say, I have someone. People would say, I'm dating around. People would say, we live together. We're cohabitating. Mm-hmm. We're not married, but we live together. So. It's always been here. A situationship is just a relationship. Like you do all the things you would do in a committed relationship, but you don't have the title. So if something doesn't go the way you would assume your exclusive committed partner would behave or do or treat you, you can't get mad because we're not really committed to each other. The Mm -hmm. feelings are still there, but you can't really hold me to the fire because I never said I was your boyfriend. I never said I was your girlfriend. So it's messy. There's real feelings felt. There's real pictures taken of our moments and there's sex and there's meeting family even sometimes. And at the end of the day, there has been no agreements that we are exclusively committed to each other. So give me an example of your client that comes in. Like, mm-hmm. What do they come in for? Example would be, there's this guy that I really like. We met each other maybe five years ago and we really liked each other. And at first, when we first met each other, we hooked up and we would just see each other like on the weekends. And then we would start texting every day. Mm -hmm. But then he just stopped texting me. And I was like, what's going on? And then we would argue about how he might be seeing someone else or he thinks I'm seeing someone else. And then we come back and hang out with each other. And then we'd have another argument. Then we go out to dinner. And then we might travel. But when we traveled, we got in a huge argument because he was talking to this girl. I got really upset about that. And it's been five years of that back and forth. Okay. So take me through after hearing that. So let's just say, okay, I'm that client. I come in with that story of my life, five years of this. Yeah. That sounds like hell. Yeah. So how do you start? Take me to your Yeah. I always start with just word vomit sessions. 
Okay. Because I understand that you've gone through this for a long time and you have a lot to say. You've exhausted your friends about it. You've exhausted Mm -hmm. your parents about it. You've exhausted whoever will listen about it. And you finally decided you're going to get professional help via coaching therapy. Or people are giving you advice that you're not taking or you stop talking about it because you feel so ashamed that you're still in this mess. So you come to me and I'm just like, okay, where do you want to start? Do you want to just catch me up on all the things that's happened so I can know Mm -hmm. about all the things? Like, just get it all out. We can do that. We also have the option to start with your family dynamics. And so I use genograms. I think it's Mm -hmm. the holy grail feels weird to say now. I think it's the major foundation that I need as your clinician, as your coach to really help you understand how we got here. Because a lot of times we feel like we just fell for someone and they were toxic and together we've Mm -hmm. created this toxic cycle mess, right? We're not thinking like how I said in my story, we're not thinking about how all this started in childhood. You've Mm -hmm. learned these dynamics in your childhood and you just grew up and continued to look for those dynamics subconsciously, consciously, and mm-hmm. other people. So I like to talk about that. What's your relationship with your mom, with your father, with your caregiver, with your mm-hmm. sister, with your child, your grandmother, whoever. That's what it looks like in the very beginning. And then I'm also blending in my own story. I think mm-hmm. it's very important that my clients know that I'm human. I'm in the mm-hmm. same world with you. Just because I'm a therapist does not mean my life is perfect. If that was the case, everyone should be a therapist. Do it. You'll be saved. And it's not that way. So I share with them like, I get it. Let me tell you how I understand Mm -hmm. that. Yep. Been there too. No judgment. I cannot express no judgment enough. No judgment, no shame. Let's just look at it. I'm going to turn the heat up a little bit. Have you considered it this way? That's not unconditional love. Like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Validation is power. Mm -hmm. Just feeling like you're not alone in the situation that you've been through. I love using Genogram too. It helps me take tally and take notes on the history and back to what had impacted their life. And so when you talk about their past dynamics with their family and how it contributed, do you share with them that part of you? Like how much do you share? I share enough just to join. I don't share enough where, oh, now I've been talking for 10 minutes about this. It's just enough to be like, yeah, I understand that too. I've had stress with my mom growing up where I felt like she just didn't understand me. And that made me feel like I wasn't enough. I'll just leave it there. If they have more questions about it, I will answer. It doesn't ever go that far where I'm like, okay, enough about me. However, I want them to know, again, you're not alone in this. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's so important to make them feel like you're not struggling alone. And this is not the first time it's happened. It's not strange. You're not alone. That's important. Okay, what is it? So what part of the job then is when you're working with your clients, What brings you the most joy, the most job satisfaction? What brings me the most joy? That's a good question. I think it's a couple of things. One, when I start to see my clients be honest with me in the room. Oh, Dan, I went back to him and I know because he doesn't treat me right. And I just still was wanted to see like what would happen. I love those moments because I know how hard it is to admit that you're doing something that doesn't serve you. And I'm sharing that with you. And hopefully that you will keep this space safe and you won't judge me. Like that can bring like tears in my eyes. Like I understand that beyond. And the other part that brings me the most joy is when I start seeing my clients finally see their worth. That's the best. Yeah, I met, met this person. They said that and I was like, oh, I'm over this. I see them cycling out of 
unhealthy, unfulfilling relationships much sooner than they have before versus staying in something for three years. Now they've only stayed in it for a year. Now they've only stayed in it for six months. Now they've only stayed in it for a weekend. Yeah, no. Admitting the first part that you said when they start becoming really honest and authentic with you, Mm -hmm. totally. You feel that shift Mm -hmm. because you feel the energy becomes really more vulnerable and more, I can't even describe it, but I think as therapists, we can tell when someone is, okay, here I am, this is me. And I have made mistakes and I'm owning up to it. When they own it, then they are ready to move past it because then now they can actually realize when they start to inch their way into going back to that old habit, they're going to get that trigger note, probably your voice saying, Mm -hmm. wait, we talked about this and you don't want to repeat this behavior because then it's the same pattern. But yeah, I think that's key to seeing a therapist is when you can own up to your mistakes are what let you hear and that you're human and no one's perfect. You make mistakes and admitting to it is the door to healing. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. Okay, so tell me more. What else are you working on? You're not just a therapist. (laughs) Tell me more of all the stuff that you're doing on your plate. I'm a superhero. Yes, you are. (laughs) I am. I'm host of podcast situation shit. I am a speaker. I, what else am I doing? I'm a supervisor for up and coming therapists. Soon to be working with interns who need their clinical hours. I am also launching a group program, what I'm really excited about. So there are many things happening. A lot on the horizon for you. I'm excited to hear all about it. I know I fast-tracked it to all the stuff that you're doing within your career, but we didn't even talk about what you do for fun. What do you do for uh, fun? What is it? I know, I know. Right? I am a proud couch potato. I, I love it. <laughs> love, love watching TV. I love watching movies. I have to watch something before I go to bed. I love watching something when I'm eating lunch. I love watching something when I'm drinking my coffee in the morning. I love TV. I love it. TV and film. I also love to travel a lot. So I Mm -hmm. went through my year of all the days that I'm taking off for vacation or conferences, whatever. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much going somewhere almost every month, which is exciting. I love to bake. I got a KitchenAid stand mixer for Christmas. That was totally Mm -hmm. unexpected. So I'm so excited to bake again because honestly, Grace, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I would be a pastry chef. I think that'd be so much fun. I make one thing, but I'd be a pastry (laughs) chef. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to come visit you and you can bake me something. (laughs) What is it? What's your specialty? Cupcakes. Oh, cupcakes. Yeah. What kind of cupcakes? I haven't gotten to niche yet with cupcakes. I just love cupcakes. I'm a cupcake snob. Cake to Mm. frosting ratio is very important to me. Density, moist, you know, how big the cupcake is, sprinkles, no sprinkles, flavors, authentic or artificial. Like I am a cupcake snob. (laughs) You're making me hungry. Why baking? Like when did you know? Oh my God, this is so fun. Yeah, I would be bored a lot growing up. The sister closest to me in age, I think we're seven years apart. So oh, seven you know, years apart. And she would have her own life. Her mm-hmm. friends over or she'd be gone. And so I'd be by myself. Like my mom would be there, but she's not always mm-hmm. going to want to play with me. And we had this huge cookbook, like huge baking. It said baking and there was like dough and mm-hmm. the flour and everything like hands around it. And I was like, 
oh, maybe I'll just keep baking. Yeah. And my mom would let me bake. I would literally pick a page. I would see what ingredients we had. If we didn't have it, we'd go get it. And I would just bake. That's so fun. That's what happened. And I didn't learn how to cook until years later, but baking was like everything for me. And so that's what I did. Me and the oven. Self-care thing. Tell me how it feels when you're baking. I love it because it's like, one, everybody leave alone. (laughs) Like I need to focus. My perfectionism gets to come out because if it says two thirds, I'm doing Mm -hmm. two thirds. I'm not doing two thirds point eight. It is two thirds. Cracking egg with one hand. I just feels like I'm choreographing a performance that's going to be performed pretty soon. And so I get really excited to put all these things together, see how it tastes. I want to add different seasoning. Am I am I going to follow it to the book? Am I like all these mouth watering? I love to see what's going to come out. And I and at this point in my life, never thought it was going to suck. I just felt. It might be too salty, might be too sweet, it might be too bland. Like that, those are my only concerns, but I never think it's gonna not be edible. Yeah, because you had a lot of self-trust. You knew you were gonna create something delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm like, why would the recipe not be good? Be bad, That's right? silly. Yeah, because it's me. <laughs> I'm making it, right? Yeah, yeah. And this person who put it out here was not gonna lie to me. So I'm doing it. Yeah. Anything else are you promoting? Yeah. Actually, no, before I do that. I want you to give some tips. Can you give three tips on relationships? Yeah. So for those who don't realize they're in this type of situationship, what kind of advice can you give them or if they are in one? Yeah. So I think the best way is to identify if you are in one or not. And so the three tips or three things to look for, I would say, would be, do you constantly feel like your needs aren't being met? Do you constantly feel like you are making yourself small for the other person to feel good, to be happy, to end the conversation, to end the argument or whatever? I would also say, are you constantly finding yourself thinking, I deserve better than this, but I'm going to stay anyways, because I don't want to be alone. And the third thing I would say to really solidify like, that you're probably in a situationship is do you constantly find yourself wanting to move the needle of the relationship and it's just not being agreed upon, whether that's moving to marriage or moving to exclusivity, meeting the friend. If you feel like you keep getting iced out on making this more committed, making this more exclusive, that's also a situationship. Okay. So you mentioned like, when you're constantly really giving it your all, you're the only one working hard to make the relationship work. You feel alone in it. Like you're the only one who wants to make it work. And when you're the only one who's constantly giving, but yet it's not reciprocated, then you're probably in a situation ship. What would be a good way to address that in the relationship? Yeah. <laughs> I think the telltale sign is if you feel hesitant to ask the question of what are we? A lot of women, especially don't want to ask that question, what are we? Because we dread the response or we dread the person who you're in a relationship with or situationship with be like, oh my gosh, we're asking that question or we're just having fun. If you're not getting an answer to what are we, what you're really saying is, are we in a relationship? Are we dating? Are we exclusive? Am I your girlfriend? Am I your partner? Being able to just ask the question straight up, whatever the response is an answer, whether that's 
come on, or we're having fun, or why would you ask me that? Gosh, why do you always got to bring the mood down, right? Or whatever it is, that's still an answer. And for you, you have to decide, do you want to stay in this? Why are you always bringing the mood down? Do you want to go out and find a relationship that can answer that question? Honestly, what are we doing? We're dating or I want to see where this goes or we're committed. And I see myself one day marrying you. Yeah. It's almost just like deciphering some people's language, right? If someone says bringing the mood down regarding spending time with you, that's a big red flag, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, you're right. A lot of people, sometimes they are so into the relationship, they mask it for them or they hear it differently. Does that make sense? Say one thing, but then to you, it's a different thing. Yeah. It's a lot of confusion, constant confusion where you get so used to the confusion. You just think this is normal. That everyone's right. confused in their relationships and their the situationship. Yeah. And, it's, and then that usually goes back to the environment that you grew up in when the communication wasn't ever clear. So you always mm-hmm. had to try to figure it out and yeah. how you're deciphering it doesn't really match. Then mm-hmm. won't match now because yeah. whoever was communicating with you as a child, if they weren't clear and they make you guess what they're thinking, that's not really healthy. Nope. So then you carry that with you to adulthood if you don't ever process it or work through it. Yeah. Thank- Everything okay. you say is heartfelt. Heartfelt. So, um, yeah. Yes. That's what it is. I think about you mm, that you, you do Grace. to help women find their self-worth is because you talk to our soul. You, have that. you have that. Ability. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Any other last minute Any other advice that you can think of before we end? Other pieces of advice? Honestly, I would just say if you need help with figuring this all out, then you should work with me because at this point, people are saying like, I'm a situationship expert, which I'm like, oh, no, no, see that. (laughs) And yeah, I know a lot about this because I've been in situationships for over 10 years. So yeah, you want to really get down to it. Tell us about your program first and then tell us how people can find you. Yeah. So my program is called Work Everything. And it's for women of color who constantly find themselves in unfulfilling relationship cycles and want to see themselves as the prize, like the same kind of work that I did. So right now it's a six week program and we have week by week lessons where Mm -hmm. we talk about how to really reclaim your self-worth. What are your values? How do you get to the place of knowing you're enough? How do you feel happiness and singlehood? Even though a lot of us want to be partnered, that is an awesome goal. And while we are waiting for that moment, how are we living our best life now? That's awesome. Can't wait to follow it and hear more about it. How can people find you? Easiest way to find me would be going to my website that hosts this program. So www.dantea.co. If you want to work with me in the therapy sense, then the best way to connect with me would be go to my website, www.soireesintherapy.com. And you can sign up for a consultation there. It's totally free. See you there. If you're like, I'm more interested in coaching. I'm interested in this program, this work everything program. Then you want to go to www.dontea.co and that will take you to my website where that hosts everything and you can sign up my newsletter and get information about when the program opens, when's the next enrollment, everything like that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you're on social media as Soiree and Therapy. Like find me on Instagram at Soirees and Therapy. 
And you can find me on TikTok at Dontea Mitchell Hunter. Awesome. Thank you so much again for gracing me with your presence. And I look forward to having you on again. Thank you, Grace. I so appreciate it. If you resonate at all with the stories on this podcast and you're thinking about a change in your current situation, in your career, in your relationship, or maybe even in yourself, what's holding you back from taking the first step? Find out by taking the What's Your Biggest Self-Sabotage quiz that you can find on my website at mariagracewolk.com. Until next time, stay kind and own your journey. Thank you again for your time today. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review. I would so appreciate it. The high rate and reviews will help others find the podcast so we can amplify, normalize, and break the mental health stigma. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. This is given with the understanding that neither the host or the guest are providing legal, mental health, or other professional information. If you need a professional, you should find one. This podcast does not substitute for personal professional services.